This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're chatting with Director of Athletics Jason Fine about the Cats Carnival. A special event taking place outside Garcelon Field this Saturday before the Bates football team's first ever night home game. Plus, field hockey and men's soccer prepare for the NESCAC championships and volleyball heads into the final weekend of the regular season, looking for the program's most wins since 2003. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Before we recap the week, let's preview the Cats Carnival with Director of Athletics Jason Fine. The carnival is being organized by the Student Athlete Advisory Committee and is taking place this Saturday at 3 p.m. on Central Avenue. It is free and the public is encouraged to attend. Happy to have Director of Athletics Jason Fine back on the Bobcast. It's been a while, I feel like, but we're excited about the Bates Carnival coming up this Saturday before the night game against Bowdoin. And before we talk about the Carnival, the night game aspect, the first ever home football game at night at Garcelon Field, how pumped are you? Uh, super pumped. First of all, thanks for having me back, Aaron. I think that, you know, when you don't need me to come on, that means you have a lot of other things going on. So that's, that's great. I'm happy to just be filler when you need it. But no, the, uh, the Cats Carnival is going to be great. Um, you know, first night game at Garcelon Field, I was surprised that we hadn't actually had one. Um, and last year we came up with the idea to do this as kind of a home and home with Bowdoin, um, with their home game hosted in the first year last year. So we had a little more time to prepare. Um, and, you know, we're hoping that we'll have a similar atmosphere as we had out at Bowdoin last year. Hopefully we'll have a different result, uh, which would be great. But we really want to try and get everybody out here, celebrate not only uh, hopefully a victory, but just, you know, the first night game at such a historic place that um, has been so important to the college for, you know, over 100 years. Certainly. And then the carnival aspect, how did this idea kind of come about working with the Student Athletic Advisory Committee to make this happen? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, this was this was kind of a, a thought that I had when we came up with the night idea was how can we how can we create an atmosphere during the day that kind of creates a buzz that's going to lead us right into this game? Because usually we open up the tailgate in the morning, three hours before the game. Um, folks come out and it's, it's an early thing. And then by one o'clock, we're, we're kicked off. This is a lot of time to kind of fill throughout the day. Um, and uh, my thought was, you know, maybe we could get the community involved. Maybe we can get people out. We approached uh, Allison uh, Montgomery, our women's basketball coach, who works closely with our SAC uh, committee, and they loved the idea. And then we, uh, we started pulling in campus partners. You know, we started pulling in uh, dining, conferences. Um, uh, Paige Cook, who, who does our marketing, uh, reaches out, reached out to the local fire departments and police departments. And Coach Hall actually had the idea to kind of honor the the first responders, police, fire, emergency services. So we've um, personally reached out and invited all of them uh, to bring their families down. We, um, we reached out and we've got uh, the Lewiston Fire Department bring down a truck to, you know, if the kids can climb on the truck, touch a truck kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, it was just a matter of see how the student athletes responded. And they responded really, really well uh, with the ideas to do different booths, different stations. Um, we, we're getting a bouncy house. We're going to have a, a real party atmosphere, music playing. And, um, and our student athletes will have prizes to give out to kids. And we'll do pictures with the Bobcat and face tattoos and, um, and some games and things like that. So it just kind of took off. And, and honestly, I was really, really excited that everybody, the whole community from, um, from facilities to sports info to conferences to security to our local um, you know, first responders kind of really embraced the idea. 
Yeah, you touched on you know, the community aspect of this. This is not just for the Bates community. This is for anyone loose in Auburn, Androscoggin County who wants to come out and have a, and have a family-friendly fun time, right? Yeah, we've done our best to try and get this out on community bulletin boards. We've sent it to the media. We've put it up in the local stores on their bulletin boards, things like that, and try and just open it up to Lewiston, Auburn community and the greater community, as you mentioned, um, to say, hey, some, some cool things are happening here um, around our athletics programs at Bates. Our student athletes are great. Highlight not only the football team, but um, also everything else that's going on. And all of our student athletes, obviously, that work the carnival, who will not be football players, are going to be able to highlight their, their uh, sports as well. So, yeah, it's an exciting time. Certainly. Well, any other thoughts on the carnival and what, what a successful Saturday would mean to you? Well, first of all, a successful Saturday would have a win there you go. for the Bobcats. Yeah. So that's uh, number one. 18 years. Yes, exactly. We were, we're looking forward to saying, uh, you know, sending them off with a victory. Um, you know, Bowdoin uh, has had a rough season as well. It's been a couple of rough years for, for the main schools in general. So I know they're going to be hungry as well. But I think our, our, our team, our coaches, our guys are ready. Um, so certainly that would be successful. Other than that, we would love um, a great, beautiful day. Right now the weather looks like it's going to be crisp, you know, maybe high 40s, um, but sunny, which is great. So I think we'll, we'll be ready to welcome folks down here and kind of showcase just the best of Bates and Bates student-athletes outside of um, just our football program. We're going to open up our tailgate area an extra hour earlier um, instead of three hours before. We'll open it a full four hours before. So uh, we want to encourage folks to get here early at 1.30 because at 2 o'clock we're going to shut down the street. We're going to turn it into a carnival. Um, and, you know, hopefully it's going to become a tradition and mimic some of the other you know, great traditions in college football, the places that kind of really turn the campus into a, you know, a fun atmosphere on game day. Unlike perhaps other college football venues, this is all free, right? <laughs> totally, 100% free. Um, there will be T-shirts, there'll be hats, there'll be prizes, there'll be food, there'll be popcorn, you know, and, and candy. Um, it's still around Halloween, so we're kind of combining the Halloween and harvest theme here, um, and it is absolutely free. And admission to the game is free, yep. so we hope people will stick around. Kickoff is 5:30, um, and I think Arsenal should be rocking. The number 16 nationally ranked Bates field hockey team picked up a big conference win on senior day, rallying to defeat number 20 Amherst 3-2 Saturday at Campus Avenue Field. Senior captain Grace Fitzgerald was involved in all three goals. She scored the Bobcats' first goal of the game, tying the contest at one in the first quarter. Just 50 seconds after she forced a turnover in the third quarter that led to Bates' second goal of the afternoon, Fitzgerald inserted on a penalty corner and fellow senior captain Alexa Jurgalite deflected a shot from first-year Paige Cody into the back of the cage putting the Bobcats up 3-2. Bates held on to the lead from there, moving to 9-5 overall and 5-4 in NASCAC action. And Grace Fitzgerald is our female Bobcat of the Week. Grace, the penalty corners this year, last year was Emma Patterson did the inserts, this year it's been you. What's that been like, you know, setting people up on the penalty corner, and what's the key to a successful one from your point of view? Um, well, it's really important. Our coach always says that the corner begins with the insert, so it's really important to have a flat, clean pass for your teammate to receive so you can get a good shot off. On your goal, what do you see on that one? Take us through it. Paige had a perfect shot to the uh, inside post, and that's where the insert is always supposed to be, so I was just... Right place, right time. <laughs> Back and forth game there against Amherst. Take us through what that was like. I mean, they're they're a good team. At games every year it seems with them are close, right? Yeah, it was really intense, and especially because it was our senior game, which was really special. And also Amherst, they're currently fighting for a spot to get into playoffs, so they had a big competitive edge on them for the game. What was it like beforehand with the senior day ceremonies and everything that you were involved with? It was amazing. It was really nice for the team to recognize all the seniors and the work that we put in over the past four years. 
Pretty cool to see Alexa get her, I think, first goal of the season, second ever, right? Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> we were all so excited for her. Being one of the captains, what, what did you learn maybe from your experience in the past to apply to this year, your, your second year as one of the captains? Yeah, well, it's awesome this year to have um, two co-captains. Abby and Alexa are amazing, and we work really well together, and we're always on the same page. So I love being captains with them. Take us through uh, the play where you were able to steal that pass and set up the second goal. Um, well, this year especially, we've changed our press a little bit, so we've been able to pick off like so many more passes than usual in the other team's free hits. So I was just right off the person in front of me's shoulder, so I was able to pick the pass off, and then all of the forwards were in the right spot, so I was just able to ping-pong the ball up there for them. After you get the pass away, a pretty good play there. I think Bridget Thompson was able to get her stick mm -hmm. on it too. Yeah, Tom was right there, so that was awesome. And then she um, relayed the ball up to Sarah, and Sarah had an unreal stick skills there to get around the goalie and put in the back of the net. You know, for you, I see you in the midfield there. I feel like you're kind of like the point, if you need a basketball reference, a point, the point guard of the offense. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm definitely there in the middle just to distribute the ball to the outside. How much do you embrace that, that role? It seems like you've been doing that each year here, basically. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's nice also to be in the middle. I love to see the field from there, and I can just be everywhere that I need to be all over the field and not really restricted to a side, which I like. Certainly. Well, as a senior, what are you studying here at Bates? I'm actually a Chinese major. Okay, Chinese major. What led you to that? Uh, I took Chinese all through high school and in middle school, and I started just taking here at Bates, and I love the language and the culture, so just felt like the right fit. Have you got a chance to go to China at any point? Yeah, I went when I was in high school, and then I went two summers ago for like eight weeks. What was that experience like? It was awesome. Very different. They also don't know what field hockey is over there, so that was, yeah, an experience for sure. But. Not much of a chance to play, I suppose, over there. Uh, no. <laughs> well, take us back growing up. When did you start playing field hockey? Um, I didn't actually start playing until we didn't have, like, a rec league or anything in my town. So when I was in seventh grade for the modified team in middle school, I started playing. What did you like about the sport initially, perhaps? Um, I don't know. I liked the pace of the game, and I did play soccer when I was younger, and I really didn't like it. It felt like a lot of, um, you didn't get as many touches on the ball, I felt mm -hmm. like. And for field hockey, it's more, I felt more active doing it, so I really liked it. Well, yeah. field hockey, like, you can only touch it with your stick, right? Yeah. And there's all sorts of rules there. How long did it take you to realize what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do? <laughs> A while. Also, when you're younger, you always play on grass, which is mm -hmm. super messy. So, yeah, it gets easier as you get older, and they start to blow the whistle less and less if it, the level gets higher, hopefully. Sure. Well, as a senior now, take us back, though, when you were looking at colleges. What made Bates the place for you? Um, I know when I visited, I just loved... When I did my overnight with the team, the girls were so open and welcoming and answered all of my questions so honestly, and they were so transparent about like the chemistry on the team, and I really just loved like the community feeling that it had here. Well, and then now as a senior, if you guys, um, I believe if you beat Colby on Tuesday, we're talking on a Monday, beat Colby on Tuesday, it'd be the most NESCAC wins for Batesfield Hockey since they, you know, the conference be became the modern era in 2000. What would that mean to you to leave a program like that? I think it's awesome to be able to leave the program better than we started with it, especially as freshmen. It's been like a great three years, and the program has definitely grown so much, and this season has really been demonstrating all of the hard work that we put in. How have you seen yourself grow as a field hockey player over your time in college? Well, it's definitely a lot different from high school, especially playing on the surface. So um, 
Yeah, it's been awesome playing at such a high level with other girls on the team. It's much more cohesive. I feel like I've become a lot more disciplined as composed and composed as the years have gone on. Certainly. And what were some points of emphasis down the stretch here from Danny and leading into the NESCAC tournament? I think she, she really emphasizes us just playing our own game and focusing on ourselves and just having like rhythm and flow as we go. So the Chinese major, going back to academics a little bit, do you have plans for like grad school or do you have an idea of what you want your career to be at this point? Ooh, that's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, the hard-hitting question. Yeah, there. I know. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to figure that out myself. Yeah, yeah I think I might want to go maybe to China next year, mm. maybe teach English. But I'm also I take a lot of science classes because I'm pre-health, so I don't know if I would maybe want to go to the healthcare professions too. Gotcha. All right. Well, any other thoughts on your senior season so far and how it's gone? Yeah, I just want to thank the team for making it such a memorable season, especially for my last year. And everyone has just been working so hard and been so consistent, and the energy on the team is amazing. I just feel so grateful to play on the team this year. Awesome. Grace Fitzgerald, Female Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. The volleyball team is 16-7 and overall and 4-4 four and four in NESCAC action after a pair of 3 nothing wins last week. Bates swept the University of Southern Maine on Thursday and conference foe Trinity on Saturday. Senior Taylor Stafford-Smith recorded eight kills against USM and a season-high 11 kills against the Bantams on Senior Day. Taylor Stafford-Smith with us here on the Bobcast talking some volleyball. And Taylor, your senior year started off a little rough for you personally. You were injured for the, about the first half of the season, but you've gotten back in the rotation. How has that process gone for you? Um, it's been a good thing just because, you know, I'm back and playing. It's my senior year, so I don't want to like spend, you know, the, my last season playing volleyball off the court. But um, that was definitely frustrating. Um, but we have a great trainer, Ben, and he got me back into shape. So. And you were able to watch your teammates get off to that eight and zero start. I mean, the team has been really thriving. It seems like all season. Oh yeah, and honestly, that's just like such a great thing for me to just see as a senior just to see how far the program is just you know becoming a better thing and um once I leave I just can't wait to watch every game on the stream because I know they're going to kill it so <laughs> well speaking of being a senior how was senior day how did that go I mean obviously you led the team in kills that day but what was it like before the match it was great um so we walk into the locker room and all the seniors had to like show up a little bit later because we had the locker room decorated and we had streamers on our lockers and we had um, some of the girls give us like gifts. It was just a lot because I knew how it would happen, but I didn't think it would be an emotional day. Like I'm not very emotional when it comes to that stuff, but to my surprise it did and it just, I think it hit all of us. It was just like the last point that was scored against Trinity, we were just like, wow, that was it. You know, like you just... It kind of just puts everything into perspective. Like, don't take anything for granted. But we couldn't have gone out any any better. So. And that was you at the last point, right? <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah. It was so funny too because we were like in the huddle, and um, I feel like these are the things you just don't hear with the microphone. But Julia was like, "Would end like our senior day with like that, you know, with that win." So it, it felt good. Excellent. Well, you have some tough matches this weekend, right? You're hitting the road, Tufts and Bowdoin. you yeah. got to refocus. Well, we're so excited. And I personally love this schedule because mm -hmm. this entire season, like the game against Tufts and the game against Bowdoin, we haven't beat Tufts yet, at least like in my experience here at Bates. Mm -hmm. And so that has been definitely a motivator for me, whether if it's like during our practices or games that will like set us up for 
Tufts and Bowden, but I'm excited. I know the girls are excited. We're pumped. <laughs> and obviously, you know, the, the the goal is to do damage, as Melissa would say, in, yeah. the, in the NESCAC <laughs> tournament, right? That's, um, that's the goal. Yeah. Um, ideally, we will be going to the NCAA playoffs afterwards. So mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. yeah, we'll see what happens. What's it like seeing these first years come in? And some of them are contributing right away. Like, I know Emma has been um, one of the setters this year, you know, played a key role. Yeah, and Emma's killing it, you know, and she... She not only has a skill, but she has the confidence, which is a huge factor, and I give her um, major credit for that just because it can be kind of intimidating, I feel like, as a freshman to um, still like be a freshman and know like your place, even though that should not be a thing, and it definitely isn't a thing on our team, but I feel like that's just a stereotype, mm-hmm. um, and if you're a setter on the court, you need to run everything, so you need to have that confidence, and she definitely has um, that entire package. She has the skill and she has the confidence um, to the point where, like, she's telling me, like, where to hit sometimes, like, during games, which is what every hitter wants, you know. And so, um, yeah, but Emma's been great. Katie's been great. Maddie's been great. Um, Charlotte's been great. Um, they're a really good group of girls, and um, they're a good class. We all love them. Excellent. What are your thoughts on the season so far and um, the, the matches you have ahead here? Um, so, again, excited for Tufts and Bowden. Yeah. Um, and we're just looking forward to, um, you know, the Nuzcacks. Mm. We're really excited. We can't wait. So, especially for us seniors, and I feel like this goes with any team. Um, as a senior, you're just, you know, wanting to end on, like, your strongest note. So, that's something we're looking forward to. Excellent. Taylor Stafford-Smith, thanks so much. Thanks, Aaron. The soccer teams fell to Amherst on Saturday with the women dropping their match 4-0 and the men giving the number one nationally ranked Mammoths all they could handle in a 2-1 loss. First year, Will Anastas came off the bench and sparked the Bobcats, scoring his first collegiate goal on an assist from Kieran Bardong. And Will Anastas is our male Bobcat of the week. Male Bobcat of the week, Will Anastas with us here on the Bobcast. And Will, you know, as a first year... What was the moment like when Tyler Shake said, hey, you need to go in against the number one team in the country there on Saturday, and then you scored a goal? What was that whole um, moment like for you? It was just kind of like, we're down 2-0, so I just want to go in and make a positive impact. So I'm just in there running, just putting forth a lot of effort, and I just happened to be there in the right place at the right time. And I scored a goal, which was very nice, but ultimately we lost, so it's kind of unfortunate. But it was just... I don't really know. I don't, like a lot went through my head. Like, wow, I scored a goal, but <laughs> just want just wanted to help the team get another goal and come back against Amherst. Take us through that play and what you saw. I know Kieran passed it to you, and you made a nice trap and turned and fired there on net. Yeah, so it was just a good switch from like Charlie, and then Kieran put in a good ball, and it was just touch finish. Bang, bang, and Meg the goalie, which was fun. But <laughs> What does that mean for people who don't know? Uh, it went between his legs, five hole. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I saw you afterwards run up and try to grab the ball. What's, what's that? Uh, so we were losing 2-0. Yeah. That goal made it 2-1. So there's a lot of urgency to come back and make it 2-2 and yeah. just keep getting the next goals and get the momentum. So, yeah, that was that. I got you. And then as a first year, what's it been like with this fellow class because there's so many of you pretty large there's like 17 yeah. first years it's it's a really good experience and we're all really like tight so it's really fun and there's a lot of competition and it's just really great like environment and experience so far 
What was the G-rated version of what Tyler told the team at halftime? <laughs> you're working hard, but it's got to be better. Pick it up, more intensity. We're, you're working hard, but you can still work harder, mm -hmm. run yourselves more, beat them to the first ball, second balls, basically. Just outwork them more and take your chances when you, when you have them. And then what was kind of the message post-game? Because obviously, as you mentioned, it was a tight 2-1 you know, loss in the end. Uh, post-game, it was... Well done in the second half. You picked it up. You controlled most of the game. Um, proud of the way you played in the second half and made up for a lot of the first half, but overall we didn't quite make it. What adjustments do you think are needed going into this week with uh, Colby today? We're talking on a Tuesday for folks listening, and then NESCAC tournament on Saturday. I think it's just go back to basics. Mm -hmm. Do the simple things right, like check your shoulder, talk, and I think that'll be – very important against Colby. Great. And then um, for you personally, growing up, um, when did you really start seriously, you know, playing soccer in terms of, like, I can play as in college? Probably in, like, eighth grade when I switched club teams, got a new coach, and he really pushed me to be better, not, a, not just accepting mediocrity. So probably eighth grade to, like, seen, like, junior year was really what shaped my collegiate aspirations. And then what made Bates the place for you? Just the community feel, like hung out with the team some, got to know them, thought it was a great group of guys, and just really wanted to be a part of it and bring this program to new heights. How were you first connected kind of with, you know, maybe Coach Tyler? It was through my soccer coach, Andy Prosser. He reached out to Tyler and connected us, and then we got to talking and eventually decided that here was the best place for me. Great, and then so far, you know, big adjustments for you from playing high school to playing in college? Uh, probably the intensity. Mm -hmm. um, it just goes up another level. <laughs> Everybody's flying in everywhere, and in high school you might not have seen that as much. Well, that Amherst match in particular was pretty intense, I feel like. Yeah, there, it was challenges flying in everywhere. Um, Kieran almost killed the guy. It was, it was pretty epic. Yeah, definitely an intense match. But Coach Tyler, what is he like in terms of his style? What have you learned from him so far? He's very intense and passionate about what he does, and he brings a lot of energy to the boys. Like, our job is to perform, and his job is to, like, get us up and ready for the match and put us out there to do what we do in the best way we can. So I think he's pretty good at that. How's the academic transition been so far? Uh, it's good. We have study hall every night during the week, so we're all getting through it together. And if we need help with something, we can reach out to an upperclassman or anybody who has been there and experienced what we're feeling right now. So it's going well so far. Great. What are your thoughts on your uh, rookie season here at Bates? Um, we got a long way to go. If we go all the way, we have 10 more games. So we're almost just basically halfway through the season. There you go. Will and Astis, Mail Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. The football team lost a tight 23-20 contest at Colby on Saturday. Down 23-0, the Bobcats rallied, scoring a touchdown at the end of the first half on a 47-yard strike from junior quarterback Brendan Costa to sophomore Jackson Hayes. Junior Liam Spillane added a one-yard touchdown run, and first-year Mohamed Diawara caught his first career touchdown pass. Bates actually nearly took the lead late in the fourth quarter on a pass from Costa to sophomore Steven Brackett, but the touchdown got called back on a holding penalty. Despite the loss, the future appears bright, with Diawara and first-year Tony Hooks shining on offense and defense, respectively. Hooks recorded a game-high 13 tackles. A couple of first-years with us here on the Bobcast talking some Bates football. We've got Muhammad Diawara and Tony Hooks. And Muhammad, let's start with you. Wide receiver, first career touchdown there against Colby. Take us through the play. Coach called the, um, it was like a sprint-out pass, kind of, and I motioned in. The corner uh, pressed up on the... 
uh, the shorter receiver, and I ran to the corner and Costa threw it up, and I went to go get it. It was like they put me in a position to succeed, and I wouldn't be able to do things like that if the coach didn't trust me and if the O-line didn't block and Costa being the quarterback he is, trusting me to make the throw. Yeah, as a wide receiver, how have you worked this year developing chemistry with Costa throughout the season? Um, Costa is, like, one of the guys that's, like, constantly on top of me. Like, we go watch film together every, like, every week we're watching film together, talking about different ways that I can run routes and, like, communications on timing and, like, working on chemistry, just trying to get better overall. Excellent. And Tony, a, a career high in tackles for you there against Colby. The ball just coming your way and you were seeing the guys and hitting them? Yeah, well, that's pretty much it. And uh, my D-line definitely did a job of just staying in front of the guys and make, making sure I was free to run and free to roam and able to make those plays. So it wasn't for the D-line, I wouldn't be able to do that. And just I want to think like the seams in the linebacker room, like Connor Sarasi, Pete Daly, and um, Zach Doyon, they definitely like on top of me all the time. And they're the guys I could constantly turn to and ask questions and make sure I'm doing, my right, doing the right thing. And yeah, so my production is all due to like all those things and a combination of all those things. Well, you just mentioned three seniors, and it is senior night coming up. So take us in that linebacker room a little bit more, maybe what you've learned from the seniors, um, because there's only eight on the team, but a number of them are linebackers. Yeah, so we got three, <laughs> uh, eight on the team and three of them are linebackers. Yeah. So Connor Rossi, he's the guy that he knows everything. Sauce, we call him Sauce on the team, and he just knows everything. So if I ever have a question about a formation, about a play, about a coverage, anything, I could go to him and turn to him. Zach Donion, he's he's a character. He's a great guy. We play a lot together, and he's he's always constantly. We we play well together. Like he, the things that I'm not good at, he picks up for. Things that he's not good at, I pick up for. And Pete Daly, he's like the super senior. He's a he's the he's a big man in the room. Pete Pete's a great guy. And again, another guy I could always turn to, ask a question to. A guy has always been supporting me this whole year since I've been here. And yeah, my, I contribute my success to those guys, my coaches, and and the D line up front. Yeah. Sure, and then um, from a wide receiver's perspective, um, as a first year, Muhammad, what are some adjustments you've had to make? What's the biggest difference maybe high school now into college? High school to college, like, everybody's on a different speed. It's not like high school where, you know, you have the mismatch, like, every play. Like, in college, you got to be – it's, like, more timing-based. You have to be where you need to be at that time. Like, if one person on offense does one thing wrong, it can mess it up for everyone because the quarterback is – he's reading what we see. And Costa is not – he's actually going to follow the rules through the progression. So he has to go through his progression, one, two, three. And as everything is based on timing, I just need to get where I need to be so he can make the plays that he needs to make. Excellent. And, Tony, how about you from a defense perspective? Is it speed the main difference? Biggest transition from high school to college is definitely the speed of the game and being able to just know exactly where you need to be. So in the linebacker room, my coach Davis, he talks about being in, like, the right gaps and filling these holes and, like, knowing where your hole is because, like, just – like, just – it's like as simple as like not being in the right hole leads to a touchdown. So you got to be in the right gap. You know your responsibilities. You can't be in somebody else's hole. So, and like in high school, you was able to just like I guess use like speed and like power to like overrule all of that. But like in college, you're definitely a totally different ball game. You have to be in, in the right place at the right time. What's it been like getting all this playing time right away? Playing time right away is like I mean it's fun. It's an adjustment because when you get like put in a position to make plays, you know that you're going to be asked of a lot. So coming here, I knew like I would be asked of a lot, and the coaching staff has done a great job. They trust us. They like they pour into us, and they like constantly on us about making the right decisions on the field, off the field, in terms of making plays. But everything is earned in practice, of course. And it's like it's like a fight when your brothers and everyone supports you to do better. It's just overall feeling and making you just play better because as like once the train starts going, we all get going. So mm -hmm. it's like 
when we all come in and play together and it's like I feel like we can be so unstoppable and like playing early is actually fun. And then I'm curious, Tony, because Coach Hall, he's a defensive guy. That's his background. What's he like as a head coach? I mean, he brings the juice. That's what he says. What's it, what's it like behind the scenes? Behind the scenes, he's the same way he is. He's <laughs> the same way he is all the time. Yeah. Coach Hall brings the juice for sure. Yeah. He's he's energetic. He's excited. And a de- I guess I know for the defensive guys especially, like he's he's on top of us. He's making sure we, we know what we're doing. He's going around to all position, all, all position meetings in a defensive room, and he's like, hey, make sure you stay on top of this, stay on top of that. He's just a very excited, energetic guy, and he brings like just so much passion to the game and, and so much emotion, which like I feel like in the past I haven't played with a lot of coaches who have showed as much emotion as Coach Hall. He's like just as like emotionally invested as all the players on the team, which makes things so much better. Did he recruit you? How how were you guys kind of recruited to Bates? What was the process like? We'll start with you, Muhammad. I was introduced to one of the coaches by my cousin uh, Muhammad yeah. Kulawali, mm-hmm. and he was getting recruited at the time to- at the time by Coach Cotto and. Um, he put us two in uh, in contact, so I was talking to Coach Cotto, and Coach Cotto got me in touch with Coach Hall and Coach Patterson, and, like, that was kind of – that was, like, where recruitment started for me, and, like, they watched my film, and, like, I like the program, and I like that it's rebuilding, and I like what the coaches had to offer, like, how they – how they feel about the game and what's the plan for rebuilding because rebuilding doesn't happen in one year. Mm-hmm. So like it's a process and we're on the road and I wouldn't want to do it with any other coaches because of that. So coming here on my visit last year, I came to the Hamilton game, the last game of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I sat down with Coach Patterson. Uh, we broke down some film, we talked. I sat down with Coach Hall. And like we see that Bates has the necessary tools to win and it's just like being a part of that, of something special becoming Starting from the bottom up, like we're rebuilding. It's the coach's second year. Like it's not going to happen overnight, but we're getting there. So recruitment was definitely fun, and I wanted to take part in something like this. How about you? What was the process like for you? Yeah, so similar to Muhammad, um, I was recruited by a coach who's no longer here. But I, so I came up for the, a Williams game, and and I don't, I'm not sure of the score, but it was like a wide margin. Williams beat us last year, and and the thing is, the thing is that what Coach Charles talks about a lot is that like to the common spectator is like. You feel like oh like Bates again blowing out Bates again, but what I seen when I came to the game is definitely something that's building in a process where we're much closer to breaking over. The, like uh, Coach Coach G, our special teams coach, he talks a lot about uh, constantly banging banging on the stone and like one day it's gonna crack and but it, it's not it doesn't crack because of that final blow. It cracks because of all the blows before it. So I definitely seen that last year when I came here for my visit against Williams and I just wanted to be a part of that and and now I'm here. Man. Yeah, and Muhammad, you mentioned your cousin on the team. What's that like? Um, playing with him is like it's fun because like me and him we started off playing against each other in Pop Warner mm-hmm. and then in high school we got the opportunity to play together for our senior and junior years so it was like especially because he plays uh, defensive back and I play receiver yeah. we go against each other so it's like it's like a competition between me and him who's going to go back <laughs> with the bragging rights to the family so it's like in practice every day like the coaches see it everybody sees it I push him hard he pushed me hard and I feel like it's just our way of like making each other better to make plays for the team. Yeah. Well, this Saturday, Garcelon Field has been around for 120 years. First ever night game for football, at least, on Garcelon. Tony, how excited is that for you? Oh, it's going to be awesome. I, actually, so I, I went to a small prep school in Rhode Island, and we only played games on Saturdays. So my whole life, I've only played games on Saturdays, Saturday afternoon. So I've never played on in a night game. So this will be my first night game, too. So yeah. I'm actually excited for it, and I can't wait. And then how about the chance to get the seniors to go out at home with a victory, possibly? I mean, that's the one thing we've been wanting to work towards this whole year because the seniors, like, we owe it to them. Like, there's only eight seniors, and when they came in, it was a lot more than eight, and people gave up on the process. 
And those seniors, like, they put in countless amount of work. Seniors like John Lindgren, uh, Flanagan, Sarasi, Pete Daly, like, they, they're, they pour into us and they make us a better team. Like, the effort they put in the film room after practice, like, staying on top of freshmen, making sure we understand what we need to do, that's the biggest goal for us this year is to make sure they go out on a good note. What are your thoughts on senior night for these guys? Yeah, I agree. It's huge. I think we definitely owe them a win because those guys put in so much work and they're constantly holding young guys accountable. They're constantly watching film. They're constantly at practice. They're constantly being early to things. They're constantly just showing, just leading the way for me. I know especially in the linebacker room, they're leading the way for me and the rest of the freshmen. And I feel like it would be amazing for them to go with a win in our first ever night game. Before we go, just any other thoughts? Maybe the Kobe game, obviously, you know, you had your first career touchdown. In the end, it was kind of a heartbreaker, but you guys rallied, right? You were down 23 nothing. You almost came back. What were your final thoughts kind of on how that game ended up? Ending the Kobe game was rough because, like, in the beginning of the game, our team, like, we, we know we can move the ball against teams and offense. Like, we struggled a little bit early. Um... But, like, we scored on the last play of the first half, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, like, that got the momentum flowing because once we know that we can – we know we can, like, make plays. It's just up to us to do it. Like, we make mistakes on our own and, like, we make uncalled for errors. And, like, once we clean up the mental errors and if everyone does their job, like, we know we what type of power we can come from. Um, Sean Bryant, like, he had a, yeah. a great day. Uh, we lost one of our receivers, uh, Christian Oliveri, mm. in the game. And, like, players behind him stepped up at his role. Parker Smith came in, and he caught – I remember he caught the two-point conversion, and we were, like, right behind him. Steven Brackett came in after Parker got hurt. And it's like, we, we know we could, what we're capable of doing. And once we all put it all together, like, there's no telling what we really can do. And the defense threw a shutout in the second half, right? Yeah, so from a defensive standpoint, we gave up 23 in the first half, and that was just like – and we got back to the locker room, and we were just like, like boys, like, what are we doing? Like, uh, the senior stepped up, Pete Daly, Johnny Langer, and those guys in the locker room was like, talk to the defensive guys, and we know, like, we're, we're, we're better than this. And we went out there, and we showed that we are better than that. And we we gave them 23 points. We spotted them 23 points, as Coach Hall would say. Mm. Like, they, they didn't even – they didn't deserve those points, and I think that I think that going forward, the defense will definitely be more stout and like come out playing how we played in the second half and the first half. Tony, Mohammed, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcats. Really appreciate it, and we hope to have you many more times for your time here at Bates. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you. It's time for the fifth quarter on the Bobcast with head football coach Malik Hall. Coach Hall breaks down the Bobcats' tight loss at Colby and looks ahead to Saturday's contest under the lights against Bowdoin. Well, Coach, you guys had the touchdown called back because of a holding penalty. I mean, my goodness, so close on Saturday. What are your thoughts on the comeback effort your team made there, down 23 nothing to pull to within three? You know, a valid effort. You can't take that away from the Bobcats. Um, in fact... You know, it it, it kind of <laughs> it's like an itch you can't get to mm-hmm. because we stifled them in the second half. Yeah, they didn't change. We didn't change. We just changed how we thought about the game. We changed how we played the game. You know, another interview asked me, "What'd you say to them at halftime?" I said, "Guys, we got to play better." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not. There are some nuances to football that the everyday fan may not know. But I also believe the everyday fan can look at what they're looking at and know what they're looking at. Yeah. And it doesn't require you to be in the meeting room to know what you saw. Um, so when I look at it, you know, we were still a victim of big play on defense. Mm-hmm. 
when you think about it, they're on a third and 15, and they throw screen, and screen puts them in end zone. Mm. Um, like, those are plays where, again, they're not running it to make it a touchdown. They're running it to keep a drive alive at best. Um, and then, you know, last year they ran the ball for 225 yards. Right. Like going into this year for everyone on the defense, whether you played last year or you didn't, they had to watch that because that's a common denominator of film, right? They still have the same players. They still have the same offensive coordinator. Um, and so we have to use film of old to get a feel for how do they see us? Were they a power team before we played them last year? The answer would be no. And so what did we do that triggered them to say, hey, run power? And so going into it, preparing for what they know to be true about their success last year, and sure enough, they came into the first half running the ball. We struggled stopping the run. It was going for five to seven yards a pop. Um, the pass wasn't affecting us in terms of them moving the field, moving the ball downfield. Um, it was the run. Mm -hmm. And so after the first half, you know, and our offense, I think, has shown some great progress. Yeah. We are an explosive unit, but we are red zone struck. Mm -hmm. You know, we get in the red zone and we seem to lose a lot. Um, and I don't mean in terms of the result. I mean in terms of whatever momentum got us down there, it apparently just kind of fades. Um, the good news, though, we did score once we got down there, which, again, that's right in our wrongs from weeks past. Uh, I think our offensive line played their probably best game of the year. There were moments in the run game where you saw offense – offensive line driving defensive linemen downfield. I think our backs have to do a better job in trusting that they're going to do that um, so they can just get behind the plow. And it's like you're driving a snow truck now, brother. Like, just let the let the O-line do the work. All you have to do is get behind them. Uh, and, and, and I think they missed some of those opportunities with the O-line this weekend, but ultimately – you know, they did run hard, um, and I think any of our offensive success, I want to always be able to love up a big because as we spoke to the nuances of the game, I don't necessarily think the everyday fan can see a pancake. Mm. On the field, the only reason we can see it is because we have trained eyes, if you will. But there are a lot of things that we can't catch on the field, so we you can't you only see it the day after, and the day after they were they were opening up holes that our running backs didn't always see, but like they can't control how the running back sees it. What they can control is who they get onto and who they drive, and I thought they did a great job at that. I thought early on the flags of hold the holding flags. You know, the first flag we have, of, I think, a nine-yard gain, and they call it on Hayes on the perimeter. Mm. I thought he did a great job in blocking the kid. Um, and that's one of those penalties that I can't tell Hayes to not be so aggressive because we have an aggression issue on game day. Mm. And so some penalties are aggression penalties that you have to live through. 
Um, and other penalties, you don't want to live through them. I either one at the end. Um, but I think when you look at the Bobcats this weekend, you saw us put together special teams, offense, and defense in one half. Yeah. We've yet to do it for four quarters. I think we're an explosive team when we figure out if we play together in complementary football, you know, we can be very dynamic. You know, when you talk about a fourth quarter finish, what we often talk about on fifth quarter, um, that fourth quarter finish was there, and it was a photo finish. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't have wanted to happen to any one of our players to catch that touchdown more than bracket. Mm. Because you talk about a kid who's 155, 160 pounds, works his tail off, he gets in games here and there, and for it to be Kobe, chance to win the game, everything's right, and he's open in the end zone, that is credited to everything that he does when the ball doesn't come his way, when he doesn't get in the game, and that is Bobcat football. Yeah. Where it's not about who, it's about the posse, it's about the Bobcats in itself. And at any given point, it can be a bracket, it could be a Chris Capo, it could be uh, Isaiah Saunders, it can be Sean Bryant, it could be Muhammad Darwara. Like all of, it could be Oliveira, Christian Oliveira, all of those guys have touched the ball. Yeah. So now, if you're saying that we can distribute the ball amongst seven to eight receivers? I think we have a, a really great potential to be explosive. But along with that talent pool, we still have to work on the discipline piece. I was going to mention, I mean, you, you took words out of my mouth, the receiving depth. All of a sudden, you have a bunch of options, it seems like. I mean, Sean Bryant, career day as a sophomore. Here. Yeah, you know, Sean, how about that? I mean, he, he comes off of a knee injury all early in the year. His brother is under the weather all year, so... You know, talk about, look, I truly believe football gives every player an opportunity to um, overcome, right? Because not until you make the play, you're still in the storm. And once you make the play, it's like, wow, there's the sun. And one catch turned into, what, six catches for him on a day? Almost 100 yards? Almost 100 yards, yeah. And the last one, and it's, and I and I love Sean, and I and – I, I feel for any of our guys who ended that game on a mistake, mm. like O'Brien and Nicky Florio. Like that holding call is a tough call for them. For how they were playing that, that game, I don't want to take the call away from them as much as I want. I, I, as much as the coach wants to not have that be how we ended the game, mm -hmm. like some things you got to go through to kind of become a better man for it. Um, Nikki had a rough game, and he never quit. And so much so, the aggression of the penalty or the flag is a, a byproduct of him not quitting and just competing. Um, OB being a senior and seeing it all, and then he saw some more. Mm. I think it's a reminder that, you know, of how hard it is to win when you do it all right. Someone can see you doing it wrong, whether that's true or not. They could see that as, oh, no, you can't do that. So if you're in a business and you think you're doing it right and someone deems it wrong, like, do you go in the jar? And you're like, you know what? I was wrong. Let me take that same work that I put together and make it right on the next project. 
And so when you talk about all of those guys who have receiving options, I think health plays a part in it. Confidence is the next piece. And being able to protect our quarterback. Right. Casa has a dynamic arm, and he's a dynamic athlete. Um, and we have some dynamic tools around him, but getting it all to jail for one play, for another play, for another play. I think the Bobcat fan base saw an offense that we want to be in the future in the third and fourth quarter. Um, I do believe our offense was much more productive all game than with the stat or the score would, re- would reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that plays into the complementary football we don't play because defensively, now we have to get some stops. Yeah. And we're not getting stops, and our offense is moving the ball, but they're stalling out, but they're moving it. Well, that is a byproduct of football, too. But if we get stops, the field changes, now we can pick up where we left off, maybe on the 40. And so that's the part of the game that we made right at the end. Um, we go we go in the last two drives. We had them stopped, third and 15, we give it up again. And now you're like, wow. So now we need to get another stop in hopes that we can just have some time on the clock. Yeah. We did get that stop, and we didn't come up with it at the end. You know, as good of as good of a game Sean had, I don't want to take that drop away from Sean mm-hmm. as much as I want to as the competitor and as the coach who loves his guys. But Sean needed that. So Sean, in the next fourth quarter that he's in and he's on fire, he knows catch it, get north, and try to score. Look, could he have scored? Who knows? Who knows? I think for him, his disappointment is that he did play a good game and it ended that way. Um, but I'm proud of the guys. I'm proud on how they fought. Um, I'm proud on how they competed. Um, and, and once again, again, winning is a byproduct of, comp- of competing at a high level. And unfortunately, we competed at a high level for two quarters. You you wonder if, if the Bobcats ever put four quarters together. Sure. Who yeah. are they? Right. And so m- one of the questions I'm often asked and answering, and, and I think we've had this conversation a few times, what Bobcat team will show up? Right. You know, you get that Bobcat team, you're probably saying they're a dangerous team. Um, but when you don't get that Bobcat team, everyone's just wondering, like, what's going on, including our coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, but – as we continue to grow in our youth, I think those those moments help you mature. So let's look ahead to this weekend. Night game, mm-hmm. a rarity for the Bobcats. Uh, in fact, their first home uh, night game there at Garceline Field against Bowden. You played Bowden at night last year also at their place. How's that change things? We have all day to think about instead of just, you know, like a 1 o'clock kick. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, night games are very atmospheric I think for the fan base is a beautiful time to especially in this time of year you know Um, Halloween is this week I would expect guys to be out in werewolf uniforms starch troopers Star Wars uh, characters I I would I think that's a great atmosphere to be in Um, almost like a Halloween party on game day and the fact that our athletic department is putting together a Cats Carnival. Yep. I think this is just a beautiful time for our Bobcat de- athletic department, um, but more importantly, an opportunity for our guys to go compete in something new to the to Carcelon Field 
And um, we were all at that game last year at night. Um, and so when you think about the rival, mm-hmm. we got a lot of reasons to want to win this one. Uh, when you add the rival into that, that should make it a pretty juicy game. Yeah. But as we speak to rival, and we spoke to that last week, I had this conversation with the team. Yeah. I'm an emotional person. And so for me, I can let a team get me in a space where I'm not playing my game mm-hmm. because I'm emotionally tied into the rival. And I think that happened to our guys with the personal fouls. Mm-hmm. And the lesson on that is play with emotions, but do not let your emotions guide you. You know, um, I think Yoda told Luke Skywalker that, right? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, so I, I think, again, it's, it's a matter of be excited to play, be excited to win against an opponent that's a rival, but do not ever let the rival make you emotional. Like, I'm emotional about our guys. Yeah. I'm not emotional about Kobe, per se. Um, and I don't want our guys to be emotional about Bowden. I want them to play with emotions, but do not let emotions guide you through a game because your emotions are swayed based on moments. And we let that moment get away from us in the first half because we were emotionally driven um, and we couldn't control them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, two personal fouls in the first half, that's 30 yards. Mm-hmm. Bing, bang, boom, done, right? Um, and then when you add the more flags, whether they're aggression fouls or not, right? emotionally if you're in control, you know when to come off the gas, when to give more gas, when to hit the break. But when you're not, when you're not in control of your emotions, you tend to just see red. You know what I mean? And you lose you lose a significant amount of ability when you're when you're not focused and you're focused through emotion. And so though it's a night game which I'm excited about, I think the Lewis and Auburn community will come out and support us. Um, we have a first first responders for our coin toss. Um Christine Schwartz told me she's going to do cotton candy, and I'm excited for that as long as it's garnet cotton and candy. Uh, but I'm excited for the opportunity again to play in front of our fans, yeah. to uh, for to play in front of our fans in a night game with a rival. Listen, that that is college football tradition and building on that tradition, so I'm excited. All right, Coach Hall, thanks so much for joining us on the fifth quarter. Appreciate it. And again, it's a great day to be a Bobcat. After Tuesday contests at Colby this week, the field hockey and men's soccer teams open NESCAC tournament play on Saturday. Meanwhile, Bates' nationally ranked cross-country teams compete at the NESCAC championships at Williams, and the volleyball team hits the road for the final two regular season contests of their season. We'll recap that action, the football team's rivalry game with the Polar Bears, and much more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Thanks.